Let's stand and sing our hearts out to the Lord this morning. The first one is we're going to lift his name on high.
comfort that he is going to take us no matter doesn't matter he knows our death date just like he does our birth date and he is going to get us from one point a to point b very safely in his time and his way I was thinking about that song, kind of a theme going on here. I didn't plan it, but it just happened. And uh, the lighthouse, you know, what that's for. I don't have to explain that. But there's an old hymn that we haven't done for a long I don't even know if I've ever done it since I've been here. But it's called A Shelter in the Time of Storm. And you can know that we're in a time of storm right now in our country. And it's affecting, it's, it's coming in and it's creeping in even to the church. And uh, it's so wonderful to know that Jesus is our rock. He's our rock. Uh, I can love you. I can love others out there. Even if I disagree with them, I can still love them because Jesus is my rock. They're not my rock. What they believe in is not my what I need to believe in. I'm going to believe in Jesus and what he has done for me. And that's going to make me stable and standing strong. So let's sing this old hymn. And enjoy, enjoy the words. That, you know, it was written a long time ago, but it is so pertinent for today. That's what I love about God and his word and the words that God has given someone out of his word. song, huh?
Father, we confess that we're very selfish. And we don't think about that gift that we could offer to you. Sometimes we do what we want to do and we want to act the way we want to act. We are not very obedient children at times. But praise be to you that Jesus was the perfect son that could take my disobedience on himself on a cruel cross and pour out his blood that we could survey and see what a wonderful gift you are, Jesus. Thank you so much for your unselfishness. And God, we break, we we cry out that we want to be good children. We want to so badly. And it is only through you that we can do that. Help us to remember that in our flesh we cannot do it. It is only by your Spirit. And that feeling of your Spirit comes from our daily bread and living water that we drink and eat every day from your Word. God, may our hearts grab that. Help us to be hungry thirsty for you because you in the end are all that matters nothing else eternity is a long time hell is a long time when people are dying and going there and we want a fresh view we want a fresh scent of the hot fire that is burning today reserved for those awful demons and the stinking devil but it's also reserved for those that will reject you. So help us have a fresh look into that place so we may go out of here this week and tell of this beautiful gift that you've given for everyone. We love you. Help us to hear from your word today. We invite you to speak to us personally in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3. Take out your notes if you like to follow along the notes. Thank you again, Sean, for making this beautiful pulpit, and appreciate that very much. It's a labor of love, I'm sure, and uh, we ask your ble- God's blessings upon you for your work. So this morning, we're going to talk about how we respond When someone says something bad about us that isn't true, how do we handle when we are falsely accused of something we didn't do? You know, I think that this is a tremendous platform for us as I continue to think of the thought that Cindy was praying about. Let us be a a lighthouse, a witness into our community. And, And listen, folks, if we can get this, it'll put us in a position that people will stop and they'll ask what and how can you operate or respond in that way. It's a tremendous truth here that Peter writes. Peter's writing again to Christians, Christians who are suffering because they are simply not bad people, but they are simply followers of Jesus Christ. It is difficult for them. And, uh, you know, it is... uh, you know, if they were working with somebody or were they living next to somebody, it was somebody that didn't like them or didn't like their God, didn't like them as a Christian, and they suffered for this. And so as we talk about this subject today, I want you to understand this is a prime time when we are suffering for doing good. It's a prime time for our uh, testimony to be elevated like never before. And it's a difficult teaching. This isn't something, you know, that is soft and, and comfortable. It is a difficult teaching because it goes against naturally what we want to fight and what we want to resist or what we want to do. And so we ask God, again, that the Holy Spirit supernaturally empower us to accept and embrace these truths as truth, 
that these are good things for us to follow. So 1 Peter chapter 3, begin verse 8. We're going to take verse by verse, and well, we're going to go through this. We're going to look at this and then, uh, of doing good, and then we're going to wrap it up with how can we do good when we are suffering. So verse 8, finally, all of you be... All of you have unity of mind. I'm reading from the ESV. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Remember the previous uh, text was is talking about the marriage relationship and how it was a, maybe a difficult relationship between the, um, an unsaved husband and a wife and how she was submit to that. And then it talks about the husband submitting, uh, you know, uh, with his leadership to her and, and making her flourish uh, with her gifts and uh, who she was as a woman. And so then he comes to this and he said, finally, uh, I want you to have this unity of mind. I want you to have this sympathy, this brotherly love and a tender heart and a humble mind. We see five areas that of doing good that are wrapped in this passage. So we're going to go through these quickly uh, as we go through these verses. And we hope to finish the rest of this chapter to, uh, today. Doing good in five areas. First of all, unity of mind. And this is very important. Most of us are willing to have one mind as long as that one mind is my mind. <laughs> you see things as I see things. You think like me, then uh, we're good with that. But the one mind is to be the mind of not your mind or my mind, but is the mind of Christ. Christ said this, or Paul said this in 2 Corinthians. He said this, he says, 2 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ. So we do have a common mind. Oh, you know, if we were just to take our minds separately, we would all think differently. But when God enters the picture as a believer, we have the mind of Christ. And we can all agree, we can all come together in the mind of Christ. This, this command brings us back to the need uh, to know God's word. Because the word of God it reveals the mind of Jesus it's so important for us to know the Word of God. It's so important for us to be in God's Word, to read God's Word, to let our thinking be transformed to the Word of God. And while we shall be of uh, one mind, we can't expect everyone to be like us. God has built both unity and diversity among His people. It's kind of like this, folks. We could say that Christianity, being a Christian, is like a good worship team. You know, we heard some great harmony this morning. Each one sings with his own voice and some sing different parts, but everyone sings to the same music in harmony with one another. And that is of oneness that Peter is trying, the unity of mind, it's so important. Being good is being in unity with one another. And then it says, full of sympathy for one another. We sympathize. We care for one another. This is what, what another person is going through. We feel that we, under, we uh, hear about that. And there have been some things that you have gone through uh, uh, recently, and we report those through the prayer list, and we share those things. And then we all come aboard and say uh, with prayers and sympathy about what you are going through um, uh, one another. So this is being good. And then love one another. Love one another. We're to love one another and then have that tender heart is the fourth thing. Peter describes a warm love that is to be among Christians. And you remember what Jesus said. He says, if all the things that could identify you, that all the things that, that could, could show who you are as a, as a believer, he says this in John 13, by this will by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. We have this love in John 13, 35. Jesus did not command us to like our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we are commanded to love them. And once we start loving them, we might even like them. <laughs> so we're to love one another. A tender heart, full of sympathy, and we're to do it with a humble mind. And I think this is important because you can't go further in the scripture with, without having this humility of mind. And we can't go into verse 9 and the, and the following verses unless we have a mind that says, I'm teachable. I have a mind that is willing to admit that I was wrong. A mind that doesn't believe that I have it all together, that I know it all. Um, 
Peter is saying, that's a humble mind. These are things that are important for us to be doing that's good. And so he identifies five areas of good. And then he goes to verse 9. Okay. Now here, here we get into some, some parts that are hard and difficult. And he says, and then in a continuous sentence, not returning evil for evil or reveling for reveling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. So, so this verse is like two parts. So in one part it is, is that uh, not to pay evil for evil. And the New, New Living Translation says, don't retaliate when people say unkind, unkind things about you. We're not to scheme to how we can get even when something uh, is said that's difficult or, or bad about us, and it's not true. We're not to try to get even. We're not trying to get a plan to, to uh, return back what has been given to us. My friend, the greatest challenge to our love for others comes when we are wrong, when somebody has done us wrong. And Peter says, he says, here's what you do. You don't do bad with bad. You, you don't give, repay evil for evil. You don't, what that has come to you, you don't turn around and do back to them as well. And m- listen, my friend, that is the world. That is what naturally we want to do. But Peter stops and says, no, we don't do that as a follower of Jesus Christ. And somebody might say, well, what about, it says an eye for an eye. Well, in the context of that, it, it means this, that the crime should fit the punishment. It isn't a retaliation thing. It just means that, that if somebody does something, that the, crime, the, the, the verdict uh, that's being handed down on the crime is to match that. Now, for example, um, you know, you, you wouldn't just because you stole a piece of candy be executed, <laughs> you know. The, you know, you could get the, the punishment is to match the crime. And so that's what that eye for eye means. It's not, it's not to, to, you know, you hit me in the eye and I'm going to hit you in the eye. It's not at all. And Peter's giving some, some teaching that brings us to maturity, brings us to away from operating in the flesh to operating in the spirit. You know, When it comes to revenge, it belongs to God for followers of Jesus Christ. When we take revenge in our hands, we are moving into God's territory. We act like God because God says revenge belongs to him. He'll take care of it. And God is doing us a favor. He is moving us from a a way of being bitter a way of increasing evil? Because, you know, we know the consequence. We know what what the process is. So if you say something bad to me, and I'm going to get back at you and say something bad to you, does it stop there? No. No, it just continues to escalate. And we become like the Hatfields and McCoys. You know, we we get this battle going, and and it just, things just gets way way out of hand. And God says, I want to spare you. You can't handle this revenge thing. I want to spare you. I'll take care of it. You leave that up to me, what God says. He knows what we're going through. He knows how to make things right. We just have to trust him. I'm reading through the, uh, the Bible, and many of you are as well. And, and if you're reading on a schedule, you, you're probably about either in this spot or, or uh, coming into it or, or have gone through it, where Joseph Remember Joseph, Joseph who was, was a, a man, and he was sold into slavery by his brothers. Can you imagine? They were going to kill him, but it ended up uh, selling him into slavery. And the story goes that as he goes back down to be sold uh, to Potiphar in his house in Egypt, he is wronged by his brother for, for doing nothing but, you know, maybe bragging on his nice coat or whatever. And, and then he's sold into slavery He's in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife accuses of um, taking inappropriate actions towards him, and, and he's put into jail because of that, but he was innocent. And, 
And it goes through a process of, you know, the things that happened to Joseph in his life. And, and then finally, you know, uh, God set him up. And all through the time, we know that Joseph didn't sin. We, Joseph didn't allow that to impact him to be bitter about the terrible things that happened to him in his life. Because at the end, at the last, when you read Genesis chapter 50, and at the end there, his brothers come to him, and they're afraid of him, and, 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 and they're bowing before him, and they find this, you know, they, they reconnect with each other later on in life, you know, and there they are, and they're afraid that, no, Joseph's going to get back to him. He's going to revenge. He's going to do something because what we did to him. And Joseph responds, you know, you meant it for evil, but God turned it around and meant it for good. You see, my friend, this is how big God is. He can use the devil to do his good work. He can use anything that happens to you in your life, how terrible it is, if you'll give it to him, and he'll take it and use it for good. God is that big. God is that powerful that he can take things that are happening in our world. And if we will follow this, we will see amazing things happen because of this. And so, so here we have Peter. He says, he says, you don't repay evil for evil. When somebody says something bad to you, you don't turn around and say something bad to them. Now, I'll tell you, you know, and I'm speaking by experience, and I'll say this, by a lot of experience, in the husband and wife relationship, this is so important, isn't it? When we uh, can say something and then, oh, you know, that, that, that you know, and, and we get, get going there. I mean, that, that could happen. But here's what, in the context of this, finally, don't give back evil if evil's been given back to you, if evil been given to you. Peter says that. But he says, on the contrary, this even, this even gets harder. This is more difficult. We're taking this into a deeper place. It says, but on the contrary, in verse 9 again, but bless for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. But on the contrary, bless that individual. Oh, my goodness. That is difficult to do when somebody, when we're to do good to people who, who have done bad to us, that we're to turn around and not just, not just let it go, but then put a blessing upon them, put, put, do good to them, pray for them. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 5. And he said this, these are the words of Jesus. He says, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And this, and that way you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven, for he gives the sunlight both to the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is that for you? Is that for you? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from everyone else? Even pagans do that, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's a tall order. Jesus says, you know, we love our enemies. We could do good to them. We live in such a time of culture and things that are political and injustice and pandemic and different views are just flying all over the place. And people can act very unkind. And it's time for us to, to rise above that, to bless instead of curse, to, to pray instead of bad-mouthing. This is what our calling is that God asks us to do. And we'll do this, amazing things will happen. Next time someone does something bad to you, they don't deserve it, turn around and do good to them. <laughs> You'll be amazed of even their response. What will happen, how God will use that. 
So let me give you uh, six things of why should I bless those who do bad to me. Let me give you some things here this morning. First of all, the first thing is obedience to God. You know, simply God gives us a command. There are many things that God asks us to do that require faith, trust, God's word. You take it out of your control and place it into God's control. It's obedience to God. This is what God is telling us to do. And then he says that secondly is to receive a blessing. So let's look at verse 10 and 12. He says, again, at the end of the verse 9, it says that you may obtain or inherit a blessing. And it, and it says that uh, in, in uh, verse 10, which happens to be a quote from the Old Testament, Psalms 34, whoever desires to love life and see good days, don't we all do that? I mean, Harry and Ruth, they've been, uh, you know, married and living a long life, and they're getting, uh, you know, up there in the twilight years, and they have a good life. And then they want a good life, and they have had a good life. And, and we all want that good life. We want to see good days. Well, here's the thing. Let him keep his tongue from evil and let his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on righteous and his ears are open, open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I was just saying that there is a blessing that God promises that if we will do this, if we receive evil and we turn around and bless, God says there is a blessing involved in that. I will give you a blessing. I will bless your life with that kind of action. The rewards, the rewards of good are better and far more secure than the rewards of doing evil. God promises this Psalms 34. So it's a blessing. We'll receive a blessing. You want to bless? Blessing? Well, just have a life of continue when people do evil against you. You don't respond like that, but you turn around and do good. Number three, it reduces those who want to do bad to you. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? You know, you put people in, in their place. You, you will show the real character who you are if you don't respond like that. And, and people will say, well, you know, they're such and they're this way and they're this way. And then when you don't act like that, it diffuses what they're saying. It will diffuse what they're saying. The voices will be minimized. I'm saying they won't go away altogether, but it will reduce who want to do bad to you because you're a good person and you'll, re you'll react and you'll respond in goodness. Number four, it gets people to ask about your hope. And I think this is one of the important things, as we said earlier, about our testimony and the platform that it puts us on. It says in verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness and sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience that, that when you are slandered and those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. It gets us into a spot where people stop and say, and look at your life and says, there's something different about that individual. When evil happens to them, when difficult times happen, when suffering, <clears throat> they don't respond normal. They, they, they watch you, and then when you have had this come into your life, they stop and notice, how can they be like that? How can they do that? I think one of the, the greatest testimonies, and throughout the scripture, there's several uh, stories that we could talk about, and of course, including the life of Christ. But when Paul and Silas was in prison, you remember that story? Paul and Silas was in prison, and they were in, in, in prison just because of they're doing what we're doing today. We're talking about God. We're preaching about God. We're testifying about God. 
what Floyd did about testifying earlier, he could have been put in jail right then if he was back there. And uh, I don't know if Chris would visit him. I hope you would visit uh, Floyd. So Paul and Silas, they're in prison for being a Christian. They had been whipped. They had been there. They were suffering. But yet, while they were there, what were they doing? They were praising God. They were worshiping God. I would imagine that they were praying. They were praying probably for the jailer. They were praying for those that persecuted. They were praying for those, those that were doing things that uh, they said they, uh, you know, that caused them to be in prison. And everybody in that prison knew that. And that great earthquake that came along and, and opened up all the door cells and, and that there was the Philippian jailer that, that was going to commit suicide because the prisoners were going to escape. And Paul and Silas stepped in front of him and said, don't do, don't, don't kill yourself. We're, we're not going anywhere. They were acting in goodness. And Paul and, si- and, Paul, and the Philippian jailer said to Paul and Silas, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I want what you got. I see something there that, that I need in my life. And the Philippian jailer became a Christian that day and his whole household. When we go through difficult times, our true colors, our true faith, how deep our belief in God reveals. And it can be some of the most astounding moments of people watching our lives as we go through difficult times. Did you know when you follow the history of the church, that the history of the church has its greatest growth when it goes through times of persecution, when it's suffering. Today in Iran, one of the most difficult times or place to be a Christian, it is one of the fastest areas or countries in the world where Christianity is growing. We could give more testimonies about that as well. Look at the book of Acts and persecution that they, the Bible talks about exploding in that persecution. It went out to the, the rest of the world. God will use the things that we go through that people will ask and say, what is it that's different about you? Spurgeon recalled the horrific suffering of one godly man. He said, I remember reading in Fox's book of martyrs the story of a man, man of God who was bound to a stake to die for Christ. And there he was, calm, quiet, till his legs had been burned away. And the bystanders looked to see his helpless body drop from the chains as black as coal. And not a feature could be discerned. But one who was near was greatly surprised to see that poor black carcass open its mouth and two words came out of it. What do you suppose they were? This man said, sweet Jesus. The martyr fell over the chains and at last life was gone. Listen, of all the times, the moments that you can testify of the goodness of God is when evil is being done to you. I'm not saying that if you're like in an abusive situation that you should stay in that situation. But I'm saying that when people speak bad about you, you don't have to do a likewise in return, the same that they're giving you. We can bless them. It's amazing what God will do with that. Number five, because Jesus did for our benefit. Verse 18, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous of the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in flesh, but made alive in the spirit. You see, God doesn't ask us to do anything he hasn't done already, and certainly Jesus has, was, has been the great example of this. Didn't deserve what he got, but he's willing to do that 
for our benefit. And we have a God that can understand and empathize because he has walked in the same shoes that we walk with. Jesus was willing to suffer wrong that we may be made right with him. And so here's what God is asking us to do, folks. He's asking us, that person at work, your neighbor, your relative that always makes fun of you, that ridicules, that say those things, that does terrible things to you to try to get you. I remember the, there's a little chick track when I was growing up called Holy Joe. Some of you remember that. The guy was in the army and they would throw things and make fun of him every time he got down on his knees and prayed or talk about God. Eventually, you know, in the track, the testimony is that the guy that was making the most ruckus about him being a Christian becomes a believer. But I say when, when those people make fun, would you, it, uh, when we go through those things, God is asking us, would you be willing to let the bad things they say about you that are not true just roll off? And then turn and do good to them. Listen, that they may see Christ in you, that they may be made right with God. Your response to what happens to us, to you, it's evil. It's difficult. I'm not minimizing that at all. But how we respond to that if we respond like Christ, it could be the means that they could be made right with God. It's almost as if the Apostle Paul said, "You have done. You have none. Uh, you have none of you suffered when compared with Him." Talking about Jesus Christ, or at least He was the arch sufferer, the Prince of sufferers, the Emperor of the realm of agony, Lord Paramount in sorrow. You know little about grief, but you do not know much. The hem of grief's garment is, is all you ever touch, but Christ wore it at his daily robe. We did but sip of the cup he drank to its bitterest, bitterest dregs. We feel just a little of the warmth of Nebuchadnezzar's furnace, but he dwelt in the very midst of the fire, Jesus Christ. Jesus, who has gone and been there, done that, says, now I want you to come. Follow me into that fire. Why? For the benefit of others, that they may be right with God. Number, last one, number six, the one who has asked us all authority. I won't, I'm going to skip some verses for sake of time, but in verse 20, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to him. The one who asks us has all authority. The one who's sitting at the right hand of God, who has everything un, under his command, asks us to do this. So how do we bless those who do bad to us? I'm going to give you two things, and I think it's found in the key, key thought there is found in verse uh, 14 and 15. He said, uh, if you will... I have no fear of them, nor be troubled. First of all, those that do those things to us, we don't make them big. We don't have them occupy a big space in our mind and allow them to make room, a large room in our hearts. We don't fear them. We're not afraid of them. But then he goes to say, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. That we make God bigger that he takes more room in our hearts and our minds and our thoughts than what they may say and what they may do to us. That God is bigger than that. And that we allow him to uh, have a space that is elevated above everything that happens to us. We make the Lord bigger than those who do wrong to us. I'm reminded when David, you know, King David and it was true that um, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And, and while he was going through that process, you know, he, he confessed that it was wrong. And, and then the child that they had from this wrong relationship, um, God said he was going to die. But David, you remember how he prayed and, and, he, and there he was. And, 
And after a certain amount of time of praying and fasting, that they announced that the child has died. And, and in that pain and loss, and people were amazed by this, and they even questioned him and said, David, what are you doing? Because he, he gets up and he, and he starts worshiping the Lord after they announced that his son had died. David didn't move away from God because of bitterness. And he moved towards God and said, God, I, I need you. I, I, God, I, I want you and need you more than ever as I've gone through this pain and sorrow. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Heavenly Father, as we uh, know your words are true and right, and we believe your words will bless us and it'll be a, a path of a blessing if we'll follow them. But Father, we confess that it's difficult to do good to others that make our lives so difficult. You ask us to give heaven to those who make our lives like hell. So, Father, we need your power, your strength to follow your words. We need Jesus Christ to be sitting on the throne of our heart, leading and guiding us to do right no matter what. We need the filling of the Holy Spirit in our life so that when we have those moments, whether it's later today or tomorrow or this week, that in that moment, that, that moment that we want to react in an unkind way, that you would speak to us, you would, you would press upon us, and remember these words and what a difference it will make in people's lives that are watching us from the one who's giving us the bad time and all the other people that are watching. And that we will turn around and smile, bless, and do good. Have nothing but love to them. We ask that you help us with that. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. This morning we're going to receive communion. And uh, communion is, is reflecting upon the suffering of Jesus Christ. It's a celebration of what the cross has meant to us. As you think about this, that, that Jesus again... He did this not because he did anything wrong. He did this because he loved us and it would help us come into a relationship with him. So I'm going to ask you this morning, and, and only if you want to, and only if you believe that Jesus did suffer for you and that you accept his suffering as as a means for you to, to have this relationship with God. And if you're willing to do that, I'd like for you to stand. And I'd like for you to come down to the center aisle and then go to the sides here and receive the, uh, the elements, then go back to your uh, chair there, and we'll have some more information uh, for you.
just uh, uh, tear that top part off there and it'll remove the uh, thing that represents the bread, the broken body of Jesus Christ. They actually broke this loaf of bread in front of the disciples. And uh, so but this represents the suffering of Christ. He suffered physically, suffered emotionally, and there was attack on his spiritual as well. Try to get God, Jesus, to not follow the will of God. And so uh, we reflect on that. And we want to be just like him. We want to embrace the will of God, and if will of God means suffering, then we're okay with that. Because he's good, he's holy, and uh, he'll use us in a powerful way. Father, we come before you as needy people and need to understand how significant uh, your suffering means to us, your broken body. So we ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us how we need to be spoken to about what this means concerning the broken body of Jesus Christ and suffering. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's type. And carefully. Because if you don't do it carefully, you will suffer stains on your clothes. Represents the blood of Jesus Christ. We're thankful that his blood covers us our sins, that we might have forgiveness, that washes us to be white as snow. Father, thank you for this, that, that your life-giving blood is poured out on the ground for us so that we may have eternal life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to come in and let's sing one more song and closing song. It's what they did there in the Lord's Supper. They, they went out uh, from among them. So let's stand and sing. And I'll encourage you to sign up for the class that are coming up with what I'm here for. It's on the back there. And uh, if you have any questions, let us know. Okay, let's stand as we sing this last song.
wonderful week. We love you guys and we'll be praying for you and you pray for us. Have an awesome week.